0: Today, we're going to continue in our series called Walking with God Through Uncertainty out of Psalms 23. There is an old Arab proverb that says, All sunshine and no rain makes for a desert. Life is a mixture, isn't it? It's a mixture of sunshine and it's a mixture of rain. It's a mixture of highs, and it's a mixture of lows. It's a mixture of mountaintops, and it's a mixture of valleys. Today, I want to take a look out of Psalms 23 about how our God is the God of valleys. Take a look at Psalms 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, there is actually a valley in Israel called the valley of the shadow of death. And I am sure that David went there or had been there many times. This canyon has high sides and the only time sunlight gets to the bottom of it is at high noon. And so, and so there are shadows in it most of the day. Even though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The word valley got me thinking about my, uh, about my God and the valleys that I've been through. In fact, it made me think of a story in in the Old Testament of King Ahab, who was being disposed by a Syrian army plus 32 other ally nations. And God miraculously gave them a victory. The following year, that Syrian army plus those 32 ally nations with him decided to come up with a new plan that they thought, you know what? that Israel's God is the God of the mountains. And that's why we lost to him. What we're going to do is we're going to get him in the valley because Israel's God is not a God of the valleys. And notice what God said about this in 1 Kings 20, 28, because the Syrians think that I am only the God of the hills and not that I am the God of the valleys. I'm going to give you victory over this huge army so everyone will know that I am the Lord. So let me summarize the sermon in a sentence. God is God, not just of the mountaintops, but he is God of the valleys. I am God of the good times and I am God of the bad times. I am God of the mountaintops and I am God of the valleys. That word valley in Hebrew and in Greek, guess what it means? It means valley. But it oftentimes is used as a metaphor for difficult times. And so, metaphorically, God says, I'm not just God of the mountaintops and the good times, I am also God of the valleys. I am a God of the darkness and despair and depression and discouragement. Now, I don't know about you, but that's comforting for me because my life, honestly, is in the valleys most of the time, Uh, physically even. Uh, Once a year, I like to go to Colorado, and while I'm there during that two- to three-week period of time, I will take one day, and I will climb a 14er. Uh, Last year or a year before that, I should say, I went to Mount Elbert, 14,440 feet. And I can tell you this, when you are on a mountaintop, it is the greatest experience of life. You can see everything. It's the highest mountain in Colorado. But most of the time, two uh, two to three weeks, I'm in a valley. It's called Dillon, Colorado. And so it's comforting for me to know that God isn't just with me on the mountaintops like Mount Elbert, but that God is with me when I'm in the valley in the city of Dillon. That is not only true physically, but folks, that's true spiritually. So what I want to do this morning is I want to ask three questions and give three answers. What is it that we know about valleys. Secondly, what kind of valleys are there? And then thirdly, what do you and I need to remember when we are in one? I don't know what kind of valley you're going through right now as a result of COVID-19. It may be a financial valley. It may be a relational valley. It may be a schooling valley. It may be a physical valley. Whatever kind of valley that you're going through, can I encourage you with this? take some good notes because you will want to review these in the future. So what is it that we know about valleys? Well, we know a number of different things. Number one, we know that valleys are a part of life. In other words, they are inevitable. Valleys are a normal part of life. They're going to happen. Folks, you can count on them. So you and I shouldn't be surprised when they come. Uh, The question shouldn't be if we're going to have a valley. The question really ought to be is when is that valley going to be here? You're going to experience defeat and discouragement and distractions and disturbances. And you're going to experience disease, COVID-19. It is a normal part of life. But here's the exciting thing. God plan, God's plans for you contain both the mountains and the valleys. Deuteronomy 11:11 11, 11 says this, the promised land you are about to enter is a land of hills and valleys. What does that mean metaphorically? It means even if you're in the center of God's will, you are, are, you're going to experience valleys and it's part of God's plan. The promised land included hills and included valleys. And so when those things come, guess what? We shouldn't be surprised. That's why Peter said this out of 1 Peter four 12, Don't be surprised when you are tested by troubles or painful suffering as if something unusual is happening to you, Folks, valleys are inevitable. And so don't say when they happen, why me? We ought to be saying, why not me? If you are having problems, guess what? It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you're human. Even the promised land that God had for his people, Israel, had hills and it had valleys. The second thing that we know about valleys is that they happen to happen to good people. Valleys are impartial. Psalms 34, verse 19, read this. The good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too, but the Lord helps him in each and every one. Sometimes when people experience problems, they think that God is punishing them. Folks, that's just not true. Problems happen to everybody. It is a part of life. We live in a broken world. And as a result, all of us experience problems. Nobody is immune. Nobody is insulated from pain. Nobody is isolated from sorrow. Nobody sails through life without any problems. Christians experience problems just like unbelievers experience problems. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. And so valleys are inevitable. They are impartial. Thirdly, valleys are unpredictable. You can't time them. You can't put them on your calendar. You can't plan on them. And so valleys oftentimes catch us off guard. Valleys oftentimes come at the worst times when you and I were unprepared for it. I think this COVID-19 was an example of that. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we could just plan them? Wouldn't it be nice if we just knew when they were coming and we could just write in our calendars, hey, COVID-19's coming, and uh, you know what? It's gonna take a couple months, so let's just plan some stay at home and get caught up with one another. And by the way, what's your name? Oh, yes, you're one of my children right now. Folks, it would be great if we could plan these valleys that come into our life, but it doesn't happen that way. In fact, have you noticed That Have you noticed that a good day can turn on a dime like that into a bad day? How it can turn from good to bad through one phone call, one decision, one disease or virus. Something that you had no control of. And as a result, your life was turned upside down. Take a look at Proverbs 27 verse 1. Don't ever brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Valleys are inevitable, they're unpredictable, they're impartial. Valleys happen to everyone at any time. Now, I want to take us a little deeper. I want us to share with you some common valleys that are found in the Bible. In fact, if you study the Bible from one end to the other, you will find about eight different valleys mentioned in the Bible. We're only going to take a look at four of them. Now, here's what I know to be true I can't tell you when you're going to go through a valley. I can't tell you what valley you're going to go through next week, next month, next year, but I can pretty much tell you that in a lifetime, you will go through these valleys. So let me give you just four of them. The first one is the Valley of Sedim. It is mentioned in Genesis 15. How many of you remember the movie the trilogy, the Lord of the Rings, and the battle that was called the Battle of the Five Armies. Well, this battle that is mentioned in Genesis 14 had nine armies. And the story goes like this. There were four enemy nations outside of the area of Palestine coming to overtake four nations within the area of Palestine. These four kings outside the area of Palestine from Sinar, which is, by the way, from Babylon, came up against these five kings within Palestine, Sodom and Gomorrah and three other nations. And these kings met up in the valley of Sedim, which, by the way, is now the Dead Sea. What happens next is what's important for you and I. In Genesis 14.10, it says this, "'This valley was full of sticky tar pits, "'and when they, these kings, "'tried to run away from the battle, "'they slipped and fell into the pits.'" Now, I'm not going to talk about Abraham's part of rescuing his nephew, Lot, in this story. The point that I want you to understand is this, that these kings slipped and fell and they got stuck as a result of running from responsibilities. How do you end up in this kind of valley? I'll tell you how you do what these kings did. You run from some responsibility that you have. I pretty much guarantee you, if you run from responsibilities God is placing before you, more than likely you're gonna slip, you're gonna fall, and you're gonna get stuck in something. Has that ever happened to you in your lifetime? Folks, when you and I run from responsibilities, you're gonna slip, you're gonna fall, and you're gonna get stuck So what is this valley all about? Will you write this down? Sedim, the valley of Sedim is about failure. You're gonna have failures in your life. I guarantee it, if you begin to run from responsibilities, then in essence, that God has put on your plate. My question to you and I is simply this. What's your Sedim? What are you running from? Are you running from some conflict that it's your responsibility to resolve? What's your pit? Remember, Sodom and Gomorrah, folks, was not a family-friendly place, was it? Okay? It was sin city. And guess what? That pit, it may be a public failure that you are wanting to run from. Can you imagine the embarrassment of these kings running from a battle which they were supposed to lead, that they were responsible in leading, but they got stuck in a tar pit? I mean, how embarrassing is that? You see, the Valley of Sedim is oftentimes the place where you look foolish. You are running from something Everybody else sees the pink elephant in your life, but you refuse to acknowledge it. Let's talk about another valley, the Valley of Eshkol. This is mentioned in Numbers 13, and it is the story of Moses sending out the 12 tribes or 12 spies, I should say, into the promised land to kind of check it out. And those spies were there for 40 days. And when they come back, they come back with a mixed report. They come back and they say, you know what? Yes, the land, it is great. It is a land filled with milk and honey. Whatever that meant, okay? Uh, uh, it is a land where the grapes, in fact, we came from this valley, the Valley of shoal where the grape clusters are so big, it takes two of us to carry them. But here's the challenge. There are people that appear to be like giants there. They are well fortified. These 12 spies came back with a mixed report and said, yeah, the land is great, but there are some challenges in it. This is where we pick up the story in numbers 13:33: "In our own eyes, we felt as small as grasshoppers next to them." This is what I call an inferiority complex. But don't be too hard on them. Remember, they, they the Israelites, these Hebrews, had been enslaved for 400 years, and what they have is a slave mentality and they are having a hard time getting over it. Now this valley is different from the valley of Sidon. This valley is this. Will you write this down? It is the valley of fear. It is the valley of fear. Am I going to move forward or am I going to give up? You see these 12 spies, and not only that, the whole nation of Israel had to make a decision. Are we going to take what God has said is ours? Are we gonna go for it? Or are we going to back off in fear, in shame, and in doubt? Here's my question for you. What's your valley of Eshkol? What place are you afraid to move forward in. You have been in this place for a long time. You want to move forward in your career, in your marriage, with your kids, whatever. You've been in this place a long time and you want to move forward. God wants you to move forward, but you haven't. Guess what? You are in the valley of Eshkol, the valley of fear, where, there, where you either move forward or you stay where you're at in defeat. You either take a risk and you step out in faith or you retreat in defeat. How do you know what valley you're in? By asking yourself the question, how are you viewing your circumstances? In COVID-19. Do you, are you viewing them as opportunities? Or are you viewing them as obstacles? Two out of the 12 spies viewed it as an opportunity. Joshua and Caleb. 10 out of the 12 viewed it as an obstacle. And they spread lies throughout the whole nation. And as a result, the nation of Israel, that generation died in the wilderness they died wandering around in a desert only two got to go in Joshua and Caleb let me give you another one this is called the Valley of Elah and it's mentioned in 1 Samuel 17 and you're familiar with this valley because this is where Goliath and little David met each other you will go through this type of valley too. The story begins with the Philistines on one mountaintop and the Israelites on another mountaintop. And in between them is the Valley of Elah. Every day, Goliath would come out with the Philistines and he would taunt the Israelites He would call them names. He said, hey, let's do this man on man. And whoever wins, guess what? They take the spoils. And Israel was scared to death. They were wimps. They were weaklings. Only David said, hey, I'll take on that Philistine pig. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) I don't lack a thing. What is this valley all about? What is the valley of Elah about? Will you write this down? The valley of Elah is the valley of conflict. It is when you are facing a challenge, when you are facing an opponent. And most generally, it's with a person. So my question to you is this. What's your Elah? Some of you are in this valley. You're not in the valley of Eshkol. You're not in the valley of Sedim. You're not in the valley of death. You're in the valley of Elah. And a fight is about ready to begin. Take a look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 3. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley of Elah between them. For some of you, I just described your marriage during COVID-19. You each are standing your ground. One is on one mountain and the other is on the other mountain and there's the valley of Elah in between the valley of conflict and there is deadlock nothing is moving forward if that's true you're in this valley there's one last valley i want to mention and that is the valley of baca it is mentioned in psalms 84 and this too is an actual valley in israel it's in the desert If you were on your way to Jerusalem, you would have to go through the valley of Baca. And it's dry and it's barren and it's a dusty place. This valley is a metaphor about going through dry times. When your joy inside of you has dried up. When when there's nothing emotional there. There's nothing growing there. In fact, you don't even have any tears. You don't have any happiness. You don't have any tears. There's no fruit or emotions going on in your life. Psalms 84, five through seven says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What I want you to notice here is that when you go through the valley of Baca, folks, it's dry. I don't have any emotions. I don't feel anything. I don't feel close to God. I definitely don't feel close to you right now. I don't feel close to anything. I'm dried up on the inside. I don't have any emotions. I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm just blah. Well, guess what? You're in the valley of Baca. But what the Lord wants you to do in the valley of Baca is he wants you to be the, he wants you to be the kind of person who turns a valley of dryness into a valley of Of refreshment, where you go from strength to strength. God wants you, God wants me, God wants all of us to go from one level of strength to the next level of strength. Let me put it like this He wants us to go in the valley of dryness when we're not feeling anything, when there are are no emotions whatsoever. He wants us to go from one level of maturity to the next level of maturity until you and I appear before God in Zion. And one day, you and I will appear before God. And he's not gonna ask us about our clothes or our cash or our car, but he will talk to us about our character. Did you go from strength to strength, when you were going through the valley of COVID, when you were going through the valley of fear, the valley of conflict, the valley of barrenness, the valley of death, the valley of failure? Did you keep growing through all the valleys of life until you appeared before me? What's going on here? Faith is turning a place without water into a place of springs, a place of refreshment, a place of renewal, a place of growth. How is that possible when you don't have anything in you? Well, let me tell a story. William Booth, the founder Of the Salvation Army in England, because that's where it started, sent a man to America as a missionary to start churches. This man was here for a period of time and he wrote back to William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, saying, You know what? I've tried everything. I've tried music, I've tried uh, attractions, I've tried (laughs) prayer, I've tried services, I've tried everything. People are not interested in the gospel. And William Booth wrote back, try tears. Huh. Folks, when you and I care enough that we start crying about the circumstances that we are in. When we start grieving over what we have gone through and what we have lost in the way of relationships, in the way of being in church, in the way of being in community with one another, which is absolutely key, the way uh, in which uh, maybe we've lost some relationships in that one-on-one of just sharpening one another in our walks with God. Folks, when we begin to grieve, that's when God goes in to action. Take a look. Psalms eighty four five is it blessed are those whose strength comes from the Lord, as they pass through the valley of Baca, weeping, they make it a place of springs. So what's Baca? Will you write this down? It is the valley of grief and barrenness. This is what God says about valleys that they are inevitable, that they are impartial, that they are unpredictable. You will go through them in your life. You have gone through them in the past. You and I are going through one right now. And we will go through them in the future. That's why I encouraged you to take good notes. And in the future, that valley may be the valley of failure. It may be the valley of fear. It may be the valley of conflict. It may be the valley of grief or barrenness. It may be one or it may be, honestly, all of those in combination. The question is this. What is it that you and I need to remember when we're going through a valley? We need to remember three things. Will you write these down? Number one, you need to remember that you're not alone and that God is with you. Psalms 23, verse 4. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Will you circle the word through, through the valley? temporary. God doesn't want you to reside there permanently. You're not supposed to live in that valley permanently. Folks, they are temporary. You and I are to walk through them. That is important to remember. Circle the word shadow. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, eventually all of us We'll walk through the shadow. My dad, about 12, 13 years ago, walked through that shadow. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law have walked through that shadow. I've been, as a pastor, personally, by the bedside of people who were dying that were walking through that shadow. What I have learned in 45 years of ministry is that shadows are temporary. They are here today, and they are gone tomorrow. And I have also learned that shadows don't hurt you. Have you ever been run over by the shadow of a truck? How did you handle that? It was a little different, wasn't it, or isn't it, than being run over by a physical truck. Shadows are temporary, and shadows are don't hurt you. Now realize this, shadows wouldn't exist unless there was light. If there's no light, then guess what? There's no shadows. God is light. So how do you deal with shadows? The shadow of death, the shadow of discouragement, the shadow of depression, the shadow of not losing your mind (laughs) uh, with COVID-19 being stuck in shelter in place. You turn your back on the shadow and you face the light. When you do that, guess what? You can't see the shadows. So every time that you are afraid, you look to the light. And who is the light? Jesus Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will not walk in darkness. When you and I are scared, we need to focus on Jesus. And we need to understand that shadows, yes, they may frighten us, but they won't hurt us. They're only temporary. And that when they come, God is with us and we have a choice. We can either focus on the shadow or we can focus on the light. He's with us. Isaiah 43, verse 2, I love this. It's one of my favorite promises. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why? Because God says, I will be with you. Psalms 73, 28. As for me, God's presence is all I need. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter. If God is your sovereign Lord... If if he is in your life and you have dropped him from your head into your heart and that you know and understand what we've even talked about in this series, that he is a good God, that he is a God of all uh, resources, that he is a God of peace, that he is a God who leads, that he is, folks, that he is in control, then guess what? Your God is your shelter in place. And you don't have to be afraid of anything. The second thing that we need to remember is that God has a good purpose for my valley. Remember, in this series, we started off by saying that God is a good God, that he is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. In other words, God cannot do evil. Folks, it's impossible for God to do evil. God can only do good. And God has good plans for your life, and he has a good purpose for your life, even with valleys. Take a look at Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5. We can even rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And that kind of hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts. There's a lot of different types of hope in our world, but certain hope is tied to your character, being developed as you walk through a valley, in this case, the valley of COVID, which that character that you are developing, walking through that valley, will outlast everything on this side of eternity. And if that wasn't true, folks, I would be one ticked, mad, angry, disappointed pastor. But I'm not, because I have seen in my life, and I have seen it with others, as they have walked through various valleys, that they have not become bitter, but rather they have become better. And that gives me, and it's given them, hope. Hosea 2.15 says, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. And that valley of trouble actually is a valley in Israel. And when you go through the valley of trouble, it develops real character in your life because real character isn't developed in a vacuum. Folks, real character isn't developed in the good times. Real character is developed when you and I go through the trials, tribulations, and troubles of life. This book, this valley, it's mentioned in Joshua and Hosea. And so he gives us his presence. He gives us his purpose and the power to walk through them. And then finally, we need to remember that he will will reward us forever and ever and ever. What you and I go through in this life is not the end of the story. You will be rewarded for your faithfulness as you walk through the valley of failure, the valley of fear, the valley of conflict, the valley of uh, uh, barrenness and grief. You will be rewarded. Take a look at 2 Corinthians four seventeen. For our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long that they are producing in us an eternal glory that will last forever and it is greater than anything that we can imagine. You and I will not be in heaven one minute before we say to ourselves, what in the world was I thinking? Why did I worry so much in eternity past when we see what we got for walking through it? it'll be worth it all. Now I want to close with this verse. Psalms 107, 8 through 15. It says this, Some sat in gloom and darkness. They were prisoners, (laughs) shelter in place, kind of the bad kind, suffering in chains. They had turned against the words of God and had refused the advice of God Most High. So he broke their pride by hard work. They stumbled and no one helped. In their misery, they cried out to the Lord and he saved them from their troubles. He brought them out of their gloom and darkness and broke their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his love and for the miracles he does for people. I will never forget seeking to be a witness and sharing my story with a CEO, a prominent CEO, a big one in Collin County. And as I was talking with him, he asked this question. What's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever when they all have to go through the same valleys. And I said, the difference isn't in the absence of valleys. The difference is in the presence of a shepherd. And he has promised that he is present, that he is powerful, that he is purposeful, and that he has a place for us. The difference isn't in the shadows. The difference is in the shepherd. But here's the deal. You don't have the shepherd unless you ask him to be one for you. In Psalms 23, the first three verses, David mentions the shepherd in third person. He, 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 he leads, he guides, he helps. But in verse four, it gets more personal. He says, you are with me. Nothing makes God more personal than the valleys that you and I walk through. Will you, Ask him to be your shepherd. Before I give you that opportunity, we're going to pass the basket, as we all do now with this new virtual church. But we do it through text. You can text 73256, and you can put in your offerings there. And if you're in need of prayer or you want to get into a virtual group or you want to call and talk with someone right now, you can do that. The information is on the screen. Please do that. Let's close in a word of prayer. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus being your shepherd, now's your opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, that you are a good shepherd, that you are the God of all resources, that you are a God of peace, that you are a leader, that you love to lead. And during the times of our life when we experience pain and suffering, when our hearts may be breaking, you draw close and you want to be our shepherd. Maybe you've never asked God to be your shepherd. Would you do that right now? Just simply in your own heart, with your own words, just say, God, I admit that you haven't been the shepherd of my life, but right now I want you to be my shepherd. You died for my sins. You resurrected from the grave to prove that what you said, I can take to the bank. And right now, I don't want you to be my God. I want you to be my shepherd. And if you prayed that prayer, God heard you, would you just let me know by texting 94,000, New Start, and I will get you some literature. God, we thank you that you become even more real to us as we walk through these valleys. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.